If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, let me give you the rundown. Basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, and everything you need is all in one place, and here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup's like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify, with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish a video podcast to Spotify. With Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. To be born in Kentucky is a heritage. To brag about it is a habit. To appreciate it is a virtue. Irvin S. Cobb. Welcome to Uncommon History of the South podcast, where we uncover little-known facts of uncommon history. History is full of curious stories you will never discover in any textbook. We uncover fun facts about historical people, interesting places, and everything in between. Welcome to Uncommon History of the South podcast, where we uncover little-known facts of uncommon history. I'm Brian. And I'm Harold. Harold, how's your build going? Well, it's going. Uh, we got the seats and the seat platforms made this week. We're getting ready to mount the gas tank. And uh, then we're going to jump in on the wiring. And hopefully by, say, maybe the end of January, we'll be driving up down the road. We'll see. Can't wait. I know we posted our last pictures on our on our uh, social media pages, Facebook and, and different places. So, if you've uh, missed those, you can go take a look, and then hopefully Harold will get us some more pictures as this this week, and as he progresses, we'll continue to put them on. Right, uh, with that, uh, last week we talked about with Joni House with the park. We talked about that cannon. Yes. And I was going through some pictures at home, and I found a picture of that cannon when we brought it back to Peril. I think it was in the early 1990s, and we will post that on our Facebook page. We'll, Absolutely. We'll get it out there. So that'll be That'll be fun. All right, who, who's our guest tonight? Who do you want to introduce? Well, we are very honored to have Mr. Sam Terry uh, from Glasgow, Kentucky. Uh, Sam is the uh, author of Images of Glasgow, and Sam is also has a Facebook page called Sam Terry's Kentucky. And uh, welcome, Sam. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, it's awful good to have you. Uh, Brian and I both have been on your Facebook page many, many times, and we find it fascinating. And uh, Brian, I think, found you first uh, and a few months ago. And he said, man, you need to get on here. He said, he's got a lot of neat stuff on there. <laughs> so Just such great little stories. And I look forward when it pops up and says, hey, you've posted something because I can't wait to see what it is. Yeah. And w- so we started uh, following you, and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, tell us a little bit about how you started uh, this project. Well, tell us a little bit about you. And yeah, then, let's, yeah. Let's start with, yeah, let's start with that. Tell us about yourself first. Well, I am, uh, I'm a native of Barron County, and my family, uh, both uh, sides, has had been here for generations since the county was formed, and uh, Glasgow was uh, created as the county seat. And, uh, and I had the good fortune of growing up in a family uh, that loved history, and we were also fortunate to have ancestors who saved a whole lot of things. 
And uh, so growing up, I uh, discovered that my grandparents' house was almost a repository of family papers and books and photographs and correspondence and all sorts of things that were from generations past. And so as, as a youngster, I started paying attention to those things and reading them and, and trying to piece together the stories of uh, family members and uh, all of that uh, continued and, and has continued all of my life. Um, I uh, graduated Transylvania University in Lexington and majored in history and uh, that was not a surprise to a lot of folks. And, uh, and since that time, I have um, uh, worked in Frankfurt in state government in the Office of Historic Properties that oversees the preservation of the state capitol and the governor's mansion and other uh, historic sites in the capital city, and uh, have been involved in various facets over the years. Uh, Sam Terry's Kentucky came about uh, by accident, almost. Uh, it uh, it wasn't ever a planned thing. I would be on Facebook personally, and uh, I would run across something that happened on a date in Kentucky history, and I would post a little paragraph about it. And uh, pretty soon I started getting messages from people saying, well, do more of that. I really enjoy it. It's my favorite thing on Facebook. And um, I, I began uh, increasing the number a little bit. And uh, eventually I, I was uh, collecting all sorts of Facebook friends and I, I didn't know any of them, <laughs> but they were following because of the Kentucky history posts. And uh, at the time I was editor of the local newspaper and uh, had a column there, uh, and that was very popular. It was uh, Kentucky-themed as well. So uh, eventually I decided this thing really needs an identity of its own. And so that's when the name Sam Terry's Kentucky came along, a, a spinoff of the late Joe Creason's Kentucky mm -hmm. and uh, all of the, the great writings that uh, Mr. Creason uh, did years ago and featured in the Courier Journal every week, uh, multiple times. And uh, from there, it has just grown. So uh, the goal got to be to have a post for each date on the calendar. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not always the easiest thing to track down. So I found that when I was reading and researching things and I would come across a date that someone from Kentucky did something or someone was born or a county was formed, all of those types of things, I would jot it down and started keeping a record of it and creating a post about that. Uh, so uh, fast forward uh, almost three years and um that Facebook page has grown uh, to over 18,000 followers uh, on that in that period of time. And uh, it's, it's, it's been amazing to uh, see the sheer number of people who read it. And it's also been a, a great learning tool uh, for myself uh, because I, I learn as well. 
when I'm writing those pieces and wanting to make sure that it's factual. Mm-hmm. But uh, then people send messages, <laughs> and suddenly they're saying, well, that was my uncle or my great-grandfather who did that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, it, it fleshes out any mistake and that kind of thing. So it's um, it's been a good thing for, for me as well as for the readers of the page. Well, you know, it really is a celebration of Kentucky's rich history, and it amazes me, you know, reading those little articles um, – how many Kentuckians have played a major role in the foundation of our country? Uh, you know, even up to the 1960s, the people that were born here, educated here, that went on to do great things. And that's, you know, one of my favorite things is, is reading of those stories. I, I agree. And, and, and that was some of the reason I was interested in, in doing posts about Kentucky history uh, I, I noticed on social media in particular that uh, if Kentucky was mentioned, uh, so much of the time there was always a negative comment that came with it, as if nothing had happened here or no one from Kentucky had accomplished much. And I realized that it wasn't malicious. It was just the fact that they didn't know because we, we haven't studied our own history uh, as we should have uh, for a number of years, and, and it's inspiring to know that we do have schools that have reintroduced Kentucky history, and so students are getting some exposure to it, but there are a tremendous number of adults out there who, uh, who don't know a lot about it. So it's... Um, it's it's been a great thing to uh, to help inform people and instill some pride in our state. Well, you know, we have a you, – you'd mentioned Joe Creason. There's two or three, I think, journalists, when I look back at um, uh, some of the programming that we've – that Kentucky has produced in the past. Uh, you know, Joe Creason, I think, was the first guy that really uh, made it – made some short stories, made it interesting. And then I, I was thinking about Byron Crawford the other day. Uh, you remember the program he used to have called, was it Side Roads or Back Roads? Uh, or it was Side Roads with Byron Crawford side or something like Byron that, Side Roads with Byron Crawford or Back Roads with Byron Crawford. And I met Byron, uh, Byron one time in, at a uh, at a sale. We got to talk a little bit. And then, uh, you know, you think about the Kentucky Life program with Dave Shuffett, who was on there for so many years, and I knew Dave. Max, in fact, I'd done a couple shows with him. And now Doug Flynn, uh, the former baseball player, is doing that show. So uh, we're still doing some things uh, – talking about our past and uh, our rich culture here in Kentucky, but I don't think we do enough. But your, your podcast, I mean, your, excuse me, uh, Facebook uh, page is really uh, giving people a place to go and really, you know, learn something. I mean, you, you, if you follow your, your Facebook page, you can really learn Kentucky history. Uh, a lot of times we don't need to know a whole big long story, but these little short stories help us get a bigger – a grasp of history and it also if we're interested then we can take that short story and we can expand on it on our own and learn a lot more about it but i think it's a great thing you do uh sam do you got any favorite stories you want to tell us you know i love them all uh it, it's very difficult to to start narrowing down uh well, let's say, let's I, like what's I your always, favorite child 
You know, <laughs> which child do you love the most? Or you know, that's hard. To exactly. Do. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I there's so many interesting people from Kentucky, and and I always uh, particularly enjoy uh, researching the individuals and uh, and hopefully finding some interesting details about their life that aren't necessarily widely known. Uh, I think people enjoy that sort of thing. Uh, Emily Todd Helm and and her more famous sister, Mary Todd Lincoln, uh, come to mind as uh, absolute favorites uh, for their roles um, in the Civil War. You know, the, the trials and tribulations of those two women and their interactions with one another, uh, with their husbands being on opposite uh, sides of, of the war, uh, comes to mind. Uh, from here in my hometown of Glasgow, I am always amazed by the story of Willa Brown. Uh, he was the first African-American woman to become a pilot uh, with a commercial pilot's license in the United States. And uh, she and her husband uh, created the Coffee School of Aeronautics in Chicago to train other African-American pilots. And uh, some of the pilots that, that Willa trained became the Tuskegee Airmen of World War II. Wow. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've always found fascinating is uh, – by sheer coincidence, Willa uh, wrote a letter to Eleanor Roosevelt on uh, December the 6th, 1941, uh, just hours before Pearl Harbor was attacked. And uh, Willa had heard that Mrs. Roosevelt was interested in learning more about um, African-American women and things they were doing. And as a result of that letter, Mrs. Roosevelt invited Willa to the White House to learn more about her career, and she ended up being Mrs. Roosevelt's pilot for a period of time during wow. uh, the Second World War. And, uh, and it was because of Willa Brown's testimony before Congress that uh, our military forces in the United States were desegregated uh, for the first time in history. Uh, so I, I find her story absolutely fascinating, and uh, the impact she had on this country uh, is just incredible. You to, know, uh, you know, Sam. One of the one of the neatest uh, stories about our our uh, African American uh, citizens here in Kentucky is I know Colonel Hawk down at Bardstown. Did you ever get to eat at Colonel Hawk's restaurant in Bardstown? Do you do you know about it or do you? I, unfortunately, I did not. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of people didn't. But uh, Colonel Hawk was a cook at the White House, and he cooked for like five presidents. And I think I want to say I believe it was Richard Nixon maybe was the last one. I know he was there with John Kennedy uh, and, and Johnson. Um, I think I believe that's right. I believe Nixon was the last president that he worked as a chef in the White House. And he came back to Bardstown, Kentucky, and he had a little restaurant there uh, behind his house. It was like a concrete block building, and it was just a just a you know something you'd never drive by, you'd ever dream that a chef for the White House would be in there cooking. 
But I remember going down there uh, several years ago, and it was a favorite place of politicians. You know, you go in there and you'd see pictures all over the walls of every politician mm-hmm. in Kentucky, especially in some international names, you know, would be in there as well. But I remember just, and he, it was so neat. He would come up and sit down with you, and you'd, he'd start talking to you while you were eating. And I, rem- I just, oh, I loved it. One night we were down there, and he, I started a conversation with him, and he just grabbed a chair and pulled it over and sat down. Start telling me all about what Jack Kennedy liked and what Lyndon Baines Johnson liked or what Miss Kennedy liked and what he did, you know. And it was it was just the neatest place to go. And uh, I remember the last time I was there, we were going in to eat, and I saw him sitting on the back porch in a wheelchair waving at everybody. And uh, what a great American. I mean, what a great guy, you know. Uh, I miss him tremendously. He's passed away now for several years. But I miss Colonel Hawk's restaurant. I miss being down there and talking to him. And it's uh, people and experiences like that that make us uh, wealthy people, really, doesn't it? They certainly do. And uh, and one thing I might add uh, in my approach to uh, doing Sam Terry's Kentucky is my philosophy is that, uh, and really an observation, that so many people get bogged down with history and they easily get bored with it. And I think part of the problem is we always start on page one with the beginning Mm -hmm. and it moves rather slowly in places and it becomes a burden to keep reading and wanting to know more. And what I discovered in doing my post by the date on the calendar was that it, they're, they're random and, I may have something from 1750 on one day, and the next day may be something from uh, 1945. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it keeps things uh, fresh and interesting, and yet at the same time, people are uh, learning and appreciating uh, Kentucky's history. And I feel like that's been part of the, the success of the page, is the fact that it's not a chronological view of history. There, there are plenty of textbooks and histories of Kentucky that, that cover that very well, but this is just a little bit different approach. And, uh, and the other thing that I uh, have, have worked hard to, to not do is write about people who are living. Uh, there are two exceptions to that. I, I, I always, uh, annually write a post about Governor Martha Lane Collins for her accomplishment as the first female governor of Kentucky and uh, Diane Sawyer, uh, internationally known newscaster, uh, born uh, here in Kentucky and reared in Louisville. So uh, otherwise, there are people from the past. And I, I think that's kind of a neat aspect to uh, to write about those uh, folks in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know of very few states, I, I was thinking as you were talking, and I know of very few states, if you go to Brakes State Park in far eastern Kentucky, and then you go all the way to the Mississippi River around Wycliffe, Kentucky, and you just travel across the state and see the change, not only in just geography, and topography, but the total change of culture and people. 
And I know of very few places that's like that. You know, we, we have uh, uh, major metropolitan areas, Louisville, Lexington, Bowling Green, Owensboro, and so forth. But as you come across the state, you, you, you see a, a very diverse culture. Um, it, it's like Eastern Kentucky is not really a whole lot like Western Kentucky, and Northern Kentucky is not like Southern Kentucky. And so any, any direction you go, you see not only the, 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 the land changes, but so does the people. The culture. So there's the a, culture. such a diverse culture right. in Kentucky. Uh-huh. And, and if you're talking to somebody that's not from Kentucky or never been to Kentucky, it's hard for them to imagine that because it's vastly different from east to west or north to south. Right. Uh huh. And and of course, exactly. what really bothers has bothered me for a long time is is probably some of our most impoverished areas are eastern Kentucky, and when you visit there, you understand why that area is, is it's hard to live in that hilly, steep terrain. It's hard to do anything, and so they haven't had the opportunity to grow like other places in the state because the limits of the place is just not as easy to do anything really there. Uh, in most most things like building and practical things, construction, so forth, factories. But yeah, it's just it's just it's just a harder place to to uh, navigate. And then when you go to Western Kentucky and you see all the broad farmlands and the bottoms and the rivers and the lakes and the wildlife and, and so forth, it's just uh, we're very blessed and I'm very thankful that God allowed me to be born in Kentucky, and uh, I hope to live my whole life here. Uh, Sam, um, tell us a little bit about. How'd you get interested in history as a child? You uh, said your parents had stuff, and so you grew up in that. But is there any one thing that really got you going? One of the uh, things that that had a huge impact on me and and made me love the the pursuit of history by doing research, even as a very young kid, uh, I, I always looked forward to Memorial Day. And that was because uh, we went to the cemetery and uh, in uh, part of my father's family, uh, everybody in the family for generations is buried in the same lot. And uh, as a, a young child, I discovered I could sound out the names and the spelling and so forth. And my grandparents and, and other family members would explain who that is and how we're related to that person. And uh, we would go home and I would immediately go to get the uh, large Victorian family photo album. And so I started matching the pictures with the names that I saw on the tombstones. And from there, I got out uh, my great-great-grandfather's family Bible that had all of the family record and I was finding those same names and so it it became this uh, whole idea of of researching these people and learning about them uh, where they lived and what they did and who their children were and and all of that sort of thing and so I I never stopped all of that Mm -hmm. and uh, and, Go ahead. and Sam, you know, that's kind of part of the reason Harold and I started this podcast, because there was, you know, growing up, I grew up with my grandparents, my great grandparents, and, you know, sharing those stories and history and the culture. And today we're so busy. And, you know, I think we're losing that as a generation. 
And we started this podcast because we wanted to kind of preserve that tradition of sharing these stories with others. And I think that's kind of what you do with your with your Facebook page. I agree. And uh, and then one other thing that I'll mention is I also had the good fortune of having uh, my paternal aunt was a Kentucky history teacher. And uh, I was her only nephew. And she made it her mission to make certain that I knew about Kentucky history uh, from a very young age. And uh, she deserves a lot of credit for being the instigator of going to visit every historic site she could think of that she thought I needed to see and experience. And uh, I don't think we do enough of that sort of thing uh, in our busy lifestyle today. And that's really unfortunate that that families don't uh, take those day trips to go explore historic places. Out of your short stories that you've posted on Facebook, who stands out the most? Who's the most interesting character that you've you've studied? Uh, well, I, I would probably have to go back to Willa Brown. Uh, I, I'm fascinated with her and with her story. Uh, she was an extremely accomplished lady, and and yet very few people know what she accomplished, and that's unfortunate. The Kentucky Aviation History Museum in Lexington has a, an exhibit about her now. KET has included her in a, uh, a program they have created that airs occasionally that's very good. And, and here in Willa's hometown, uh, hardly anyone has heard of Willa Brown and that's because she was born here and, and her family moved away uh, when she was a child. But it's it's been fascinating to educate people and help them understand the impact this woman had she, on. Could she be described as, Kentucky. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Could she be described as uh, the Amelia Earhart of Kentucky? Yes, I think so. Uh-huh. Without that's, a doubt. Uh, not knowing her story, uh, and speaking of aviation, the women at a time when that just wasn't done, especially if you were black, that just, you know, it's amazing that she could accomplish that in that time. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, and, and she was doing these things in the 1930s and 40s. Uh, it was just unheard of that, that a, a woman was doing it, uh, and certainly a black woman was doing these things successfully and uh, gaining a great deal of respect um, in aeronautics uh, industries and, and that sort of thing. Uh, Sam, have you ever heard of the author Cyrus Edwards? I, I, I certainly have. Uh, Cyrus Edwards lived not far from my family farm, and his... Uh, his grandparents are, are buried on my family farm, actually. So I grew up uh, hearing all about Cyrus Edwards. He, uh, of course, was a surveyor and uh, writer. He collected stories and wrote them. And uh, thankfully, his daughter, Florence Edwards Gardner, uh, compiled those in book form. Uh, reprints of that are available today but it's uh, he was a, a great contributor to to history that 
people didn't necessarily know about. Yeah, see, uh, I'm a little kin to him. Um, we are out of the same pioneer stock, I guess. There was part of the Edwards family stayed in the Mercer County, Lincoln County area, and then part of them went to the Barrens. And he he had he have you seen the book of the Edwards family history? Have you seen that? I have a copy of it. Um, it's probably one of the harder of his books to get. But um, anyway, he he explains a lot, and he get in he in in one of his books he started talking about this character named Henry Skaggs. Uh, Sam, are you familiar with him? I am. Okay. Yes. Well, I tell a little story for our listeners. It's kind of interesting. Um, I got up one morning and told my wife. I said I. I'm dying to find this grave of Henry Skaggs. I said, I've got this map. It's three little towns kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And I really didn't have anything else to go on. So um, I took off and I get down that area. I find one or two of the little towns, little communities. And so I, I, I'm kind of looking around for old churches, old cemeteries, just trying to find out someplace maybe he could be buried and then just kind of go from there. So there was this guy out in front of his house, and he was uh, weed-eating, I think, and he had a beautiful farm there, right, and they sit real close to the road. And so I, I pulled in there, and I said, I said, do you know of any old <laughs> cemeteries in the area? And he looked at me, and he said, well, if you don't mind, said, who are you looking for? And I said, well, <laughs> I said, oh, you probably have heard of this guy. I said, his name is Henry Skaggs. And he looked at me real hard, and he said, if you'll go over and get on that four-wheeler, he said, I'll take you back there to his grave. And I said, I thought he was kidding at first. I looked at him. I said, really? He said, yes. He said, he's buried on my farm. I said, get out of here. He said, yes. I, I said, well, if you've got time to do that, I'd love to do it. So I got my camera, and he, we got on his four-wheeler, and he took me back there. And and uh, he, he knew as much about Henry, or actually knew more about Henry Skaggs than I did, and he'd done his research. And So anyway, I thought that was a, a real coincidence that I – could find that grave so easily, you know, I was just like, and I think former governor Louis Nunn's farm is the next one down the road. Is that right? Or am I remembering That's that correct? Correctly? Okay. Well, anyway, I, I didn't get the gentleman's name. I don't remember his name, but he was so nice to me that day. Me just pull out of, you know, out of nowhere, pull up in front of his place. But he took the time to take me back there and show me that grave. And so I, I did get to, you know, Henry Skaggs for our listeners was, was an early pioneer guy in here. Um, my goodness, he was probably as responsible as anybody for founding of Nashville, wasn't he, Sam? Uh, yes, as, as I've understood it. Yeah, the, he was big down the Barrens region uh, where Boone and Kenton were more up here in central northern Kentucky. Mm -hmm. He was kind of the, the Daniel Boone of, to me of that area. I knew a lot of the Severs, Robertson, all the early Tennessee names. Uh, he was – he Casper Mansker, you know, there's Mansker Station that's been rebuilt there north of Nashville. Him and Casper mm -hmm. Mansker and all these people were interacted and uh, fought during the Revolutionary War together. And I thought that was an interesting take. Um, are you familiar with the Settles family in that area? Uh, yes, I am. Gunmaking Settles family? Uh, well, I. Uh, well, I'm a descendant. Oh, really? <laughs> Part of the Settles family, and uh, and of course they were the, the famous gunmakers. Yes, uh, yes. Their uh, wares uh, that still survive are highly sought after. Very collectible. Yeah, I have chased those guys up for years. Uh, 
there was uh, there's there were in Greensburg, Kentucky. Uh, Simon, I think, is buried out in his grave in Greensburg, Kentucky. And then Felix went on down to your area in Glasgow. And uh, I can't. Is there any others? There's Felix and uh, uh, is there Reuben Settles? I can't remember. Uh, there were several Settles family that were gunmakers that are in your area. That's uh, people that area pretty well know that are in, interested in antique guns. Uh, Sam, is there any other stories you'd like to talk about? Got anything on your mind you'd like to talk well, about? You know, I I, I try to uh, flesh out stories of, of not just the well-known people. Uh, you know, it's it's not hard to find stories about folks who were governor or a U.S. senator and that sort of thing, and. Uh, some that come to mind uh, would be the late Pascal Hale from Monroe County, uh, who was a renowned luthier. He he retired, and after being retired for a while, uh, started making guitars. And he ended up making some of the finest guitars uh, in the United States, uh, in his workshop in Tompkinsville, Kentucky, and uh, Chad Atkins, and a variety of, of very high-quality uh, country and Western musicians uh, sought out his instruments to play, and, and some are now located in the Smithsonian Institution, and, uh, and it was all just by chance. He happened to be absolutely uh, an expert in doing that and uh, made quite a name for himself and unfortunately uh, outside of his home region he's, he's not very well known mm-hmm. necessarily and uh, it, it, a person that's well known in Lexington would be King Solomon uh, William King Solomon was uh, the hero of Lexington in 1833 with the cholera epidemic he was Essentially, the uh, the town drunk and uh, had a sad life, colorful, and uh, found himself in a situation that Lexington was being evacuated. Everyone was trying to escape uh, cholera, and he was there, and uh, he began burying the bodies of the victims of cholera. Which was really important to get those get those those bodies buried, wasn't it? For, for, Absolutely. To keep it from spreading more, you know. Uh, yes. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've, I always enjoyed writing about King Solomon and some of the things he, he did and, and just what an impact he had. Uh, Sam, was he, a, was he a, a African-American too? No, he no, was not. No, he wasn't. I, I, I thought maybe he was. I couldn't remember. Um, I had yeah. it in my head, but uh, yeah, he was. He turned to be the hero of of Lexington. Um, who was it? Was it James Lane Allen that wrote um, a poem about him, King Solomon? Uh, yes. Uh, well, he's included in the book, uh, or one of James Lane Allen's books, and that was what sort of made Solomon uh, well known about the turn of the previous century. When the book came out, people became more familiar with King Solomon's uh, 
story and the impact he had. He he was a native of Virginia, and he claimed that he was a boyhood boyhood friend of Henry Clay, and uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, he he was a digger of wells and cellars, and uh, he apparently always enjoyed joking that uh, his work was less elevated than Henry Clay's work. <laughs> well, he's, he's quite elevated now, isn't he? It, it, certainly. He's uh, uh, but, but a fascinating individual, and, uh, and, you know, people need to know those stories and, and know uh, the contributions of uh, such individuals. Have you written about any, like, real scoundrels throughout history of Kentucky? A few, yes. Who? Any of those come to mind? Uh, uh, well, the the uh, uh, long and complicated uh, story of of uh, Governor Deshaies' son and uh, a murder he committed, and all of the uh, manipulation that went on uh, in state government at that time. Uh, regarding that trial, and uh, I've always found that fascinating. Uh, it, and it, it helps us to all remember that uh, governors aren't perfect, and uh, they're humans like everyone else, and there are unfortunate things that, that happened in their families, too. And, and all, but I, I find that particular uh, episode fascinating, and there are uh, just the the antics of Zarelda Cole James. Uh, yeah. She was born in Kentucky, and of course was the mother of Frank and Jesse James, but spent her adult life in Missouri. But she was quite a character. Everyone wants to talk about Frank and Jesse James, and most of the time, uh, completely overlook. Uh, some of the activities of their mother. So uh, I, I had always enjoyed writing about her. And uh, and I think Carrie Nation is a fascinating Kentucky native. Yes. Uh, a lot of people just know that she was an abolitionist and, and she wielded a hatchet, but quite a colorful lady and uh, very determined to. Well, uh, Sam, she, uh, you know, born in Garrett County, um, and one of the things that I learned, and maybe Brian will do a podcast about that, but uh, she was educated in Perryville, Kentucky, where I live. And uh, mm-hmm. she, uh, there was a couple people, Sam, that was local people there in Perryville that I learned about that I think really influenced her early. And one of them was Dr. Jefferson J. Polk, who wrote a book called The Autobiography of Dr. J.J. J. Polk. And people know that book from his um, uh, description of the aftermath of the Battle of Perryville. And it's looked to by a lot of historians because he went into detail to talk about what it was like to be out on a battlefield the next day. But um, he was a, quite a, uh, they were uh, anti-alcohol. Uh, the, the temperance movement is the word I'm trying to come up with. And they would lead processions down the street of Perryville uh, when somebody would try to open a saloon and they would try to shut them down. And um, 
they, uh, Dr. Wallace Green, who was the, he really wasn't a doctor. He owned the drugstore there on Merchants Row, which is still standing. And he was a, he was a, a another one. And, it, and this kind of branched through the early Methodist movement uh, in Kentucky. The Durham family was big with the Methodist movement that came into our area in central Kentucky, and then it moved from there. But um, I think Carrie was in, uh, influenced in her early life by uh, some of the things she learned in Perryville. Um, and then um, she goes on out west and really, really makes a name for herself. Undoubtedly. And, uh, and then uh, something that was about 100 years ago, uh, the, the rivalry between uh, Edwin Morrow from Somerset and Augustus Stanley from Henderson, Kentucky. And they, they were both running for governor. And one of the one of the great stories about those two is they often traveled together. Uh, they often shared a hotel room uh, while they were on the campaign trail, and, and apparently they also shared a few bottles of whiskey along the way as well. And, uh, they shared uh, a hotel. They shared a hotel room together. Yes, I can't imagine. <laughs> Uh-huh. If there there weren't other accommodations available, uh, you may do. As, <laughs> uh, as one of their speaking engagements, uh, Morrow was speaking, and uh, apparently he was a very gifted orator, and crowds were spellbound by him. Uh, A.O. Stanley uh, got up to speak, but he had imbibed a little too much. And when he got up, uh, news accounts report that his knees buckled and his head was perhaps swimming, and he uh, he threw up. He stepped to the back of the wagon they were on and vomited. And he turned around and went back to the front, uh, facing the crowd, and said, Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, every time I hear Ed Morrow speak, I get sick of my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a classic. Story. You know, unfortunately, the times we live in today, you'd have a better chance baptizing a cat than you would get a Republican and a Democrat to share a hotel room. <laughs> Be lucky to get them in the same town, let <laughs> yeah. alone the same hotel, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the interesting thing is, in that particular election, uh, uh, Morrow won. But then Stanley became governor uh, the next term. And uh, another fascinating aspect of, of Augustus uh, Owsley Stanley's uh, family is his grandson uh, became, uh, rather scandalously, one of the uh, great LSD makers in the United States. And uh, he supplied LSD to... Uh, a lot of musicians, and he also was the person who was uh, backing the Grateful Dead and designed their lightning bolt logo, and he designed the Grateful Dead's unique sound system for their concerts and uh, so forth. So we have a a lot of colorful folks in uh, Kentucky and, and descended from Kentuckians.
Right. That's just amazing. Well, we're about to run out of time. Uh, do you want to share where people can find you on Facebook or, or uh, talk about your book, where they can find it? Uh, simply uh, to, to find the Sam Terry's Kentucky page, uh, simply type in Sam Terry's Kentucky, and it should pop up uh, without any problem. And you can uh, like that page, and those posts will pop up in your news feed on Facebook. Well, Sam, thank you uh, for being part of our podcast tonight. I've enjoyed it and learned so much. Sam, yes, thank you so much. We uh, we really enjoyed having you. Maybe we can just do this again if you'd like. I don't think we've hardly that scratched the great. surface, have we? I, I think you have plenty of stories that we could do several podcasts with, so we would love to have you back. We probably could, and uh, that would be a fun thing to do. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners for being part of Uncommon History of the South. Before we go, if you listen to Apple Podcasts, help support our podcast by leaving a five-star review uh, and a comment. This will help others find us. It makes it easier for them to find us. Also, make sure you join our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube pages uh, if you've not already joined. And next week, I think Harold and I are going to take a break. This will be the last episode of the of 2020. Um, we're going to take off a couple months for the holidays, so we'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and yes. a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to everybody, and thank you for listening. Uh, it's been fun for us, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope 2021 is going to be a, a better year for everybody than 2020. I, you know, I'm afraid to say it can't get any worse. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but uh, we'll be back probably with our next episode at the end of January, 1st of February. Um, so we're going to continue doing this, and hopefully we'll have some other um, other forms that we'll be adding that we're looking at considering doing. So thank you all for being part of Uncommon History, and, and we'll see you at the first of the year.